Hi, everyone. Welcome, and thanks for joining us for Stars of Franchising. Get ready for a roller coaster ride through the world of franchising as we bring you the best stories of inspiration and entrepreneurial grit and turning dreams into franchise realities. That's right, Vinny. From emerging to global brands, we'll chat with the genius minds behind the magic. All brought to you by the Tariq Fareed Franchise Institute at Babson College. I'm Ab. And I'm Vinny. Now, buckle up for some serious inspiration. And we are really, really excited to have on our podcast, Gary Raphael. Gary, welcome home, so to speak. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. It's a pl- pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to to um, to contribute to the conversation. Well, we love it, and you know, we love Babson Connections, of course, and and what what our alum bring to the table, and we always like to start by understanding you know who you are and your why and your story to give our audience and listeners a chance to understand um you know your background and and what we're going to talk about yeah sure i'd be happy to do that uh yeah so i am i'm a proud uh babson alum um undergraduate class of 1988 um that didn't always sound long ago but but it sounds right. sound a little little old at this stage um I, uh, while I was on campus, I majored in, in finance and investments. Uh, so I had, a, I had a joint major while I was at school. So um, I was there, uh, as I said, until 1988. When I, uh, when I graduated, I, um, I left campus and immediately went into the corporate world. I started my career in uh, the casualty insurance industry mm-hmm. and was in that industry for the better part of 30 plus years. Uh, and so I... Um, I had an opportunity to see how large uh, Fortune 1000 entities worked, uh, and and had the good fortune of navigating my way through that environment to to have some success career-wise. Uh, I eventually found myself on the short end of a of a corporate merger, and um, and saw it as an opportune time to maybe flex my entrepreneurial muscle. So I went out on my own and I started my own consulting firm, which was. Which was a little more daunting than perhaps. Perhaps I was a little naive when I first started, um, uh, because re- really what I was selling was my was me. Right. I was selling my back, my background, my skills, my accrued knowledge and experience, and and I I um, I had some some success at it. I ended up uh, uh, working with a firm that then ultimately brought me in house for a few years to work with mm-hmm. uh, them directly and exclusively. And then I went back out and into the consulting space. And and while I was again consulting, I started to scratch at franchising, hmm. and and try, trying to get a sense for sort of what uh, the next part of my journey uh, professionally might look like. And I ended up I ended up looking a lot of things and was ready to go. And I had a signed letter of intent um, with a with a fitness uh, franchise. And three days later, uh, the world shut down due to COVID. Hmm. And and so my 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 first foray into franchising was actually a bit of a, a false step, and and was was really not all that pleasant because uh, as a consequence of COVID and and the impact it had on the fitness industry, I immediately had to <laughs> engage in some legal activities to sort of recoup some some right. investment that I had put out, not knowing COVID was coming. So anyway, um, uh, that then ultimately led to me just being smitten with the idea of franchising and what franchising uh, might allow me to do. 
and um, and I found my way to my current um, my current venture. Thank you, thank you, Gary. So, uh, with that background, uh, I would like to start with the first question by uh, inviting you to explain uh, to our audience what do you think people misunderstand the most uh, about franchising? Um, yeah, I think uh, I think there's this tendency. At least my my sense is. Uh, that there's this tendency to think that franchising is basically just executing someone else's game plan mm -hmm. um, or, or their vision. Um, and, and it's funny, I'm, I'm, I'm in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., and so I, I tend to sprinkle political uh, jargon into my, my conversation. I can't help it. <laughs> um, and and, and I, think, I think franchising is like politics. It's all local. Um, yeah. And it really, requires, it really requires an understanding of your local marketplace and consumer preferences. And as a consequence... My, my sense is that no two franchises are the same. Hmm. Again, I'm, I'm fairly new in this. I've only been doing this for about a year and a half in terms of actual ownership. I've been scratching at this for the better part of five years, but only really uh, full on and, and fully uh, invested for the last year and a half. But it's clear. I've, I've done a lot of research and met with a lot of franchisees, and, and, and uh, no two, as I said, are exactly alike. And there is opportunity, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what vertical you're in, in my opinion, to give your location all the personal flavor and apply your unique management style and your thought process to your enterprise, no matter what it is. So I, I, I worry that people just think it's a, it's a little cookie cutter and, and is not, um, not a vibrant environment to, to apply your vision. And then maybe if you, uh, you know, it's interesting you said that, uh, you're saying that, uh, Gary, because uh, a few people out there think that uh, franchising is not entrepreneurship, you know. Uh, and uh, but what I hear you say here that no, uh, the core of franchising is the ability to uh, to make things happen just the way an entrepreneur we do. Uh, did you do you, you have anything to say on that, please? Yeah, no, I think um, I think I think uh, franchising is is uh, very entrepreneurial. I think in its DNA is is entrepreneurship. Frankly, I. I you know, look, you, you don't, in my opinion, mm -hmm. you, you don't have to invent or create a business to be able to flex your entrepreneurial muscle within within its framework, right? I mean, it's it's just because someone else came up with an idea or a concept that's appealing to you doesn't negate your entrepreneurial um, uh, uh, thought process and, and instincts. And, and um, you still have to run the business. Mm -hmm. You still have to run the business every day to make it a success. Somebody's got to do it, and you're still paying bills, and you're still developing the business plan, and no one's doing that for you. Yeah. You're not the franchisor isn't telling you. They're giving you the product, and they're giving you the operational logistics typically, but they're not saying here's the day-to-day -day execution roadmap. You're still figuring that out. Your staff is still looking to you for answers and leadership on, mm -hmm. on daily issues. Um, you set the prices and calculate margins, and you represent the business in the local community. You set the tone for the culture within the business. There's just lots of ways to flex your entrepreneurial perspective and mindset in a franchise hmm. scenario that I, I think is really, really, um, really healthy. Great, great stuff, Gary. You know, one of the things that, that you said that I'd love you to expand a little bit on is you know, over the last five years, as you were, as you s stated, 
making a foray into a new venture or chapter and franchising kind of had you smitten a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what you find attractive about the model and the process to get to that first fitness opportunity, you know, the steps you took? Because we have a lot of folks like you who are maybe at a stage in their life they're considering it, and there's the right way to do it with due diligence and, and other things that I know you've done. But could you just share a little bit about the, that first part of the, the process and what drew you in and and then when you had to pivot kept you drawn in again and led you to the your venture you're involved in now yeah no i I'm happy to I, you know it was purely um it was purely a passion play when i came to the conclusion that this is that being an entrepreneur or or, or utilizing my entrepreneurial skill set in a way that i hadn't previously in my corporate life um i i i i I quickly, as I alluded to, I quickly dialed into franchising as a perhaps a way to accelerate that. I, I you know, look as I said, it was thirty plus years, and I, I, while I could build a business on my own ground up, and I, and I thought I, and I, and my consulting firm was in essence building a the the uh, an exercise from ground up. I, I saw the pros and cons of that, and and franchising to me seemed to be a way to accelerate the process, mm-hmm. and to maybe get there a little faster, and I saw. And as I'm sure you guys can speak to this much more effectively and eloquently than I can, clearly franchising is on the come, right? I mean, there's never been more franchising opportunities than there is as the three of us are sitting here today chatting about it. And and the, the marketplace just grows and grows. The landscape gets broader and broader. And there's a lot of really, really cool things happening in the franchising space. If you go to a franchising expo, which I did, and a conference or two, which I did, to sort of give myself a full um, measure of what was out there that might be uh, that Gary might find intriguing right. uh, or attractive. There is no shortage of, of concepts to consider. Hmm. I, I, I dialed into fitness because it's a particular passion of mine. And I thought I could be, I thought I could be good at it from a business perspective, but also immersed in it because I just really enjoy it. And so I wanted to play both sides of the passion equation and um, and unfortunately, as I said, uh, really the only thing that inhibited me from from really getting into it uh, in depth was the advent of COVID, and so that required me to pivot a bit mm-hmm. and maybe think about some concepts that I had that perhaps were a little less sensitive to some of the yeah. proximity dynamics that accompany fitness. Right? It just it was wasn't wasn't working, and so I ended up um, migrating towards a, a host of other opportunities. Mm-hmm. I can list them for you, but but we only have so much time. Um, I so I ended up ultimately finding my way into a. Um, to a Rita's Ice uh, and Custard franchise, mm-hmm. uh, which was an existing franchise that a business partner and I uh, ended up acquiring, and uh, and so uh, the, the the pivot to some level was was forced a bit yep. by the circumstances mm-hmm. in, in the marketplace. But um, and, and, but yeah, it was, oh sorry, go ahead. And then Gary, our next question talks about maybe failures are the biggest failure, uh, even though in your case uh, it was a, like a false start. Uh, but I would imagine you learned something from that experience, uh, even though it was a forced, you know, it was forced on you by the circumstances in the world. Uh, what was the biggest thing you learned from the experience? Uh, yeah, Vinny, great question. I mean, I, so so one of the things that I should probably, a, a bit of context I should provide is, so what, when I eventually made, it took me several years to make the decision to, to jump into fitness, despite the fact that it was clearly someplace that I had always sort of um, 
that had always attracted me. It still took me time. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that one of the things I struggled with, despite my, my Babson background and everything else, was just trusting my decision. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I didn't feel like I initially had really anywhere to go or anyone to talk to. In fact, I think this is an entrepreneurial opportunity in and of itself. It's creating infrastructure around... Um, uh, around this burgeoning marketplace where people like me are coming out of a, a career, mm -hmm. they're thinking about franchising as an opportunity, and, and it's a little daunting and a little scary, and if you don't have a network uh, to reach out to or resources you can count on to provide you with the, with the, the kind of uh, feedback you need, when you're out there on your own trying to make this choice and, and, and you're just... Um, trusting your instinct, but you're crunching the numbers and you're doing everything else, it, it can be hard to make that final leap. Yeah. And, and I, I, I struggled with it and feeling I, I struggled with the, the confidence. And um, look, the dynamic here is that every franchisor has a great story to tell and they make you feel like if you're not part of what they're doing, you are making a, 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 out. <laughs> a, a really horrible decision, right? Like, like if you're not getting the joke here, then you know you're maybe we shouldn't do this because you're not seeing the awesomeness of what yeah. we're offering. Yeah. And and that's and, and see, there's a little bit of pressure. There's yeah. time sensitivity. There's a whole bunch of other things that are at play in that. And if you are not confident in your analysis. That can be a little crippling. And so I, I that's where I, I would say my, I don't know if I'd call it a failure, but I would certainly call it a place where I didn't execute the way I probably should have hmm. because I didn't trust, I didn't trust myself. Hmm. And um, anyway, so as, as I reached out and started to, to bring other people into the discussion, it got easier because they can affirm what I was seeing. Hmm. Interesting. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of great insights especially i think as you're right and you point to there's a lot more of people evaluating this and you know we we hear hope you know with you sharing your story and, and other resources to help people on that journey one thing that i'd love to explore with you and get your thoughts since you actually have the benefit of working with two franchisors uh to a certain level and then your last year and a half with rita's is you know, what have you noticed that either in your evaluation or with Rita's or the fitness, good franchisors do um, um, in, in, in that relationship, you know, to, to make, you know, to provide an avenue for success um, or, or not do for that matter that you've seen in brands that maybe you chose not to align with. Yeah, no, it's, um, I, I think I've realized the importance of this as I've gotten further down the path, mm -hmm. uh, and and I've and I've and not not only from my own observations, but from from gleaning um, from conversation uh, gleaning information from conversations I've had with other franchisees, um, just how how good and bad the franchisor franchisee thing that that, that dynamic can get. Yeah, I mean, it can. It, it, there there are instances obviously where it's really healthy and really constructive. And it's really productive, and then there's clearly examples where that's not the case at all, and and it's almost it's borderline, I would say, adversarial at some level. Mm -hmm. I've heard people speak to so, yeah. so to, to to your question, I, I would say, uh, you know, clearly if pressed, uh, there there has to be. I almost, um, I, I I would say that it, it there has to be a collaborative relationship. Yeah. Clearly, there there has to be something where you feel like they're on the same page as you are regarding your objectives and what you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. 
And um, and if and if you get the sense from talking to the franchisor, and they're willing to let you talk to franchisees, an immediate red flag is if they're not inclined to to put you in con- contact with other franchisees. I would maybe pump the brakes. So true. But assuming assuming that happens, um, uh, you know that that franchisee feedback and getting their sense for how supported they feel is tremendously valuable. So and there has to be this healthy dynamic, this push-pull, whatever you want to call it, that exists between the two entities. You also have to find a franchisor who, in my opinion, is willing to invest in your success. Hmm. And they want to help you improve your bottom line. Because in essence, you're helping them improve their bottom line. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're generating all the revenue on on the back of your effort. And, and, and if they're not willing to participate in that process, again, I would, I would maybe question whether or not that's the right relationship. Um, I guess another one I might add to the list is also um, it became clear to me, too, that there were definitely uh, uh, franchisors who understood and embraced the idea of innovation and wanted to create a culture of innovation. In other words, they didn't build a mousetrap and just assume that the mousetrap had been perfected. Hmm. They they were willing to consider the possibility that the, the, the mousetrap could actually get better and that Oh, by the way, it may get better as a byproduct of giving our franchisees the opportunity to contribute ideas about how to make it better. Yeah. And so, so, so that again, that healthy sort of respect for uh, how the franchisee can be additive and 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 how it can help uh, not just the bottom line financially, but also help to to build the brand and and move the brand in a different way and move the needle in terms of the 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 breadth of offering or. Um, the the product lineup or whatever it might be, uh, I, I, I think there that dynamic is is critical as well. It, it, in all the whenever I spoke to people who were unhappy with their relationship, it seemed like one of those things wasn't present. Right. It wasn't there, and it was and it was and, it, and and frankly, when you're a franchisee, every day there's so much to do anyway. The last thing you need to be doing is exercising a ton of energy battling it out with the franchisor. Yeah. yeah. Nothing nothing positive comes from that. Wow. So, uh, Gary, when, we, when you told us your story, uh, I could imagine there are many millions of people out there who are in the corporate world and thinking, you know what, you know, I still have that entrepreneurial fire in me. I want to go out there and do something. And franchising, as you said, is, is a route, is a possibility. So when you look at those now, if you want to, what would you think uh, is the best uh, trait or maybe strength or resource uh, they should think about if they want to be successful in franchising. What, what, what would you say they should try and nail down before they venture into franchising? Yeah, really another good question. Um, I, I would say uh, I would say that I, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's unique, I don't know if it's unique to franchising. Um, but but uh, so I'm not sure I can I can I can surgically dial it in that precisely. But I I, I would say, and this may feel a little obvious, but uh, or intuitive. But um, I think you clearly need to be adaptive. Mm-hmm. You need to be another word I would use is nimble. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, like in, in our business, so in the business that I'm in, okay. um, uh, in terms of franchising and the kind of product we offer and the way we provide it to our, our customers. I am heavily reliant on on teenagers to help make the magic happen, yeah. to, to 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 you know produce the sausage, whatever analogy you want to use, and and um, 
And while that can be an energizing exercise, it also has its element of, of being a little unpredictable because we're dealing with teenagers. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and I can say this because my, my kids are in the business too, which is a whole other dynamic yeah. of this that, you know, we could probably spend an hour on, which is, is crazy gratifying, but we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll skip past that one. But, um, so, so there's an element of unpredictability in any business, certainly in the franchising world. Um, you need to be, as I said, a little nimble, certainly adaptable. You need to have contingency plans in place. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and you have to make, in my I've always believed this. I believed this when I worked in the insurance world. I've believed it my entire professional life. And so much of my opinion on business transaction is based on my role when I'm a customer and what yeah. I like and what what I don't like and what I appreciate and what turns me off. Hmm. And and in my opinion, if you're having disruption um, and and something is not working the way you want it to operationally, you can never, ever, ever let the customer feel or see that. Mm-hmm. And um, because a customer doesn't care about what your issues are, nor should they. And if you're not nimble, and if you're not if you're not adaptable to what's going on and whatever the breakdown is that's occurring, hmm. it's going to be hard for you to feel comfortable in this environment. Because franchising, to some degree, is a little bit of a lonely business, right, guys? I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's there's not a there's not a, always a, you have a corporate entity, a franchisor, but they're not they're not there to pick up the bat phone when something bad happens. You got to figure this out on your own. Hmm. And and if 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 you're letting the the issue of the day affect how you perform to the client that will never work in my my opinion and it, it'll it'll always be problematic and and the, the, as i said in in my view the customer can never feel the pain you are feeling they have to just they have to be left with the impression that everything went smoothly and perfectly and if, and if for some reason you're not capable of making that happen i would suggest to you that maybe you need to Think about whether franchising is a good fit for you because that's a that's a trait that you you gotta have. Hmm. Wow, thank you. That's great. <laughs> that is great stuff because I think Gary, one of the things we've heard and hear often, and we try to dispel here, is the myth. And you alluded a little bit to it earlier that I'm going to buy a franchise and it's not hard work or I'm not don't need to be involved in the business. So I think that's great advice and refreshing. You have to understand what we call the service delivery model to your point and the unit economics of being in the four walls which is which is awesome. I guess to that point, um, and you know, coming out of the pandemic and you referenced, you know, you know, your the customer experience um, I mean, I know labor challenges and the food side and restaurants have been out there. How are you handling um, some of the current economic challenges, you know, that you're facing on the ground as the one everyone looks to, you know, um, with respect to labor challenges and other things? Yeah, it's um, it, it has it has not been easy. I think one of the advantages we have is that we are a um, our product is a fairly comfortable price point mm-hmm. we're not a luxury item uh we are i think viewed by most people as a bit of an indulgence a bit of a treat but an affordable one right and even though we even though we've had supply chain issues and we've had which are easing a bit and we've had you know we we, we as an ice and custard business we are affected by the vagaries of egg prices yeah. and milk prices and dairy and all sorts of other things and so look so no matter what your thing is I'm sure everybody's trying to figure out the right levers to pull in yeah. terms of how much of that gets passed on and how much of it do you eat, mm-hmm. and 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 um, and when do you get to the tipping point 
where your your customers willing to accept a little bit of an increase versus your customers going to make another buying decision and go somewhere else. Right. And so, and, and we have plenty of things that fall under what, so we're in the vertical called QSR, which is quick mm-hmm. service restaurants. And so uh, even though I don't, I wouldn't categorize this as a restaurant, uh, uh, when it comes to treats and desserts and that kind of thing, there are lots of other options for people to consider. And so we've been trying very carefully to, to mix and match and, and not be uh, uh, do what we think we need to do to to yeah. to manage our costs and and to to make sure that we're we're in a good spot, um, but but not um, not not uh, pass along the pain to the customer in right. such a way that it turns them off and, and gets them headed in another direction. S- staffing wise, again, as I said, we're not we're mostly a business that is, relies on young people to mm-hmm. help us. Mm-hmm. We we have cha- we're a seasonal business. So we have challenges sort of while school is in session to get the right mix of, of, of support and help. Predicting, we look at sales uh, uh, history and sales forecasts to decide how much staffing we'll need on any given week, uh, on any given day. Um, but generally, we have lots of young people who are eager to come and, right. and, and support what we do. And they view they view this as kind of a cool job. So, so we're a little insulated from, from kind of the labor side of this. Got it. Well, uh, Gary, uh, you know, a lot has been uh, happened. A lot happened during the pandemic, you know, and a lot of innovation, technology, uh, and name it, that that took place. Uh, if you, uh, even though you are still that's your first few years in franchising, do you see any technology or social trends that you think uh, could shape uh, the future of franchising today and in the future? Um, yeah, I, well, uh, I think there's, I think there's a, a couple, uh, I, I, you know, and again, I don't, um, I don't know how, I don't know whether I'm qualified to speak to trends that will have, um, kind of a widespread mm-hmm. effect on, mm-hmm. on franchising in general, but, but I can, I can just give you a sense for what I think might help shape the future mm-hmm. sort of generally and, and kind of what we've experienced. Um, look, it, it's it's clear that we are, at least to me, that we are now in a world where uh, your customer has lots of ways to share their thoughts and opinions about their experience yeah. with your enterprise. Right. Right. And so, so I think uh, this online um, environment that has has developed and evolved uh, can be extremely powerful, right? It can be a great way to drive growth and to affect opinions of other people, but it can also obviously create negative attention and drive business away. Hmm. And, and, you know, you gotta be, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a little older, relatively speaking. And so uh, some of this is, is adapting to this is uh, again, part of this whole idea of being nimble and adaptable, this whole idea of managing your social media footprint Mm -hmm. and, and the vapor trail that gets left behind in the wake of somebody giving you some kind of an online assessment, you know, you have to be on it. You have to understand the implications of that. And, and I've been reading data recently that suggests that, you know, uh, there are more and more people who are happy to document and share their displeasure, uh, online Mm -hmm. and, and to their pool of, to their pool of friends and, and, and their network. And, and if that's left unspoken to or unaddressed, I think most people assume that that's an, whatever was said was accurate. Right. And so uh, that can be debilitating to a small business, any small business, but a franchise particularly. Hmm. And if that is allowed to, to, to sort of just linger out there, I don't think you're doing yourself any favors. 
uh, and and uh, you, you you got to really be dialed in, I think, to make sure that you're addressing that stuff effectively and promptly. And appropriately, and understanding is is this is this in essence like a gift? And is somebody telling me that we're 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 failing in a place, and now I can correct it because they brought it to my attention, right. or or is there maybe some some you know is it, is it more nuanced than what they're portraying it is? And so I think I think that's clearly something that is is has has the 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 headlight on the train is getting bigger and bigger in terms of 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 that coming now instead of being on the edge of my desk it's coming to the center of my desk and i have to contend with that and sort of recognize that that's a trend that is going to affect potentially the way my business is seen another another one that i think is is kind of interesting and and i, I it really didn't occur to me actually until i was sort of prepping for our discussion and i and i it sort of felt like it was it was a good um a good match for what we were talking about and that's um this whole idea of dynamic pricing hmm. i i you know i don't i don't know how how dialed in uh you guys have been yet or whether or not some of the other uh, guests you've spoken with have have uh have scratched at this but you know it's clear that in the franchising world there are some models out there that are starting to mess around with this mm-hmm. and you know look it's always been in the hotel industry right or whatever you always pay more for a friday than you do for a tuesday if you mm-hmm. stay at a hotel or, mm-hmm. or you know, depending on seasonality and whatever else but you know, I, I see this now in the gym world, right? I still keep my my thumb on the pulse of what's happening in the fitness space, and now you know you have m- more gyms who are uh, uh, engaging in this dynamic pricing, and and movie theaters, and all sorts of other places. And is it, is it a stretch to think that it's someday when you up a local fast food place and you want a franchise and you want to order a burger, it's going to cost you more to get it on a Friday during peak hours when the restaurant's busiest versus on a Tuesday, hmm. and. And and I just I think I think that's going to be a really really interesting phenomenon to watch and and it seems to be gaining momentum and this idea of differentiated price depending upon as I said vo- volumes and activity transactionally is going to really be interesting. Oh, interesting, especially as the, as you mentioned, the customers and consumers are getting used to it in other segments. So that'll be great to keep our eye on. One of the things w- yeah. that we're hearing about and we love to ask is, you know, given what you said, Gary, and, and what we know about franchising, that it's led by an entrepreneur in a community with local knowledge and expertise that really drives value, you know, is this intersection between diversity, equity, inclusion, social impact, sustainability, and franchising. Can you talk a little bit about that as an entrepreneur in a local community with the power to create a culture they want or having local knowledge and what you think about when you hear about that intersection yeah it's it's a kind of a layered sort of topic for us actually and 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 i I say that because uh as an employer of young people young people have a certain expectation around this issue now yeah and 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 they you know they're looking not only to consume from or buy from, but also to work for places that are a little That's bit more right. sensitive to yeah. kinds of topics, right? And so, so even if I was resistive for whatever reasons, which I'm not, but even if I was, I think my my staff would sort of force me to to sort of yeah. move in this direction, be a little bit more proactive, be a little more thoughtful about how I how I. Uh, uh, lean into the local dynamics of the community that we operate in. And so, um, you know, look, again, being part of a larger uh, nationwide network of franchises, there are certain things that Rita does, corp- Rita's does corporately mm-hmm. that we participate in. And so so I'm proud to, to, to participate in, in helping advance research around children's cancer and mm-hmm. a whole host of issues that, mm-hmm. that the parent um, uh, expects us to participate in. But 
to, to your to your the 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 tweak to your question about uh, localness and and participating in sort of the community dynamic of this issue, you know, I, I we are really um, we are really really making a concerted effort to get. Um, to get in front of schools mm-hmm. and to understand what what these schools, particularly the schools that are are are, are providing our workforce, what matters to them, what they're trying to achieve, to collaborate with them, to help them advance the the awareness of what uh, whatever initiatives they're participating in, and we can help to 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 be involved with, um, and and that's everything from you know fundraising to to just events they have, you know, sporting events or or other kind of events they're putting on. And um, and and you know it seems like wherever we go, not only do, do kids and, and teenagers enjoy working w- with us, they also l- love our products. Yeah. Shockingly, right? It's it's it's, it's ice cream, um, and and so you know we're we're very happy to make donations uh, in terms of our product to to causes that school that are meaningful to schools. <laughs> we had a we th- this is a little bit off. Uh, uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but we had a school uh, close to our shop last summer who had their air conditioning go out. And so one way they kept the kids enrolled in the pro- summer program was that every day we brought ice to them for, for <laughs> a couple of days to, to cool them down yeah. be in, in, because they had no they had no air conditioning. So, you know, look, it takes a lot of different forms. Uh, uh, s- summer camps and counselors, yeah. uh, we offer you know, uh, discounts to and incentives to and other things. But we're, you know, we are, again, we're st- still a little new with this. We're trying to find our path and to try to align around some mm-hmm. of these things that really are impactful. But but I, I think, Ab, to your to your bigger the bigger point here is that you really, really you can't, in my opinion, again, you can't be on the sidelines with this stuff. And you, you need you need to be actively engaged in participating and finding ways to help and give back because you are the people coming to your window every day and the people who are taking the orders and working in your shop every day are expecting this. Yeah. And wow. I think you gotta be part of it. Thank you, Gary. Uh, Gary, as we uh, start wrapping up now, uh, if you look back uh, in your foray into uh, entrepreneurship and franchising, uh, what would you do differently and why if you had to do it again? Uh, I do differently. Um, Yeah, I... um I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, as he said, I think I probably would have been a little quicker to um, to uh, involve other yeah. people in the process to the degree that they were available and to the degree that, that um, they were, uh, I, I guess, connected to the kinds of concepts that I was considering. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, you know, I, I, again, I, I just, when you consider that, you know, you're, you're, it's, this was the first time in my life. This is, this may sound a little off, but it's the first time in my life really that I was investing in myself because I was buying, I was buying a business that I was using my money to acquire. And, 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 and it added a a dimension of, I think, um, stress, pressure, whatever you want to, however you want to term it, Mm -hmm. that, that, that uh, again, created a little bit of length to my decision-making exercise. Hmm. And I think, and I think had I been a little bit quicker to sort of embrace uh, some of the resources I had, that process could have been truncated a little bit, and I probably could have been a little um, a little quicker to, okay. to, 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 to get going. Now, in retrospect, it actually worked out for me. So, some of my some yeah. of my diligence, and because 
I avoided a pandemic in, yeah. a, in a vertical that probably would have suffered dramatically right. from from the consequences of the shutdown. Hmm. So, I, you know, I guess you could you could look at it. Maybe my situation is a little unique, but as a general statement, I, I would say that uh, you know I think I think I could have been. Um, I would have liked. I would have told Gary five years ago that when you're going into this, don't go in solo. Don't go in thinking yeah. you're just going to identify something and move. Um, make sure you have uh, some some you know your board of directors or whatever you want to yeah. call it available to, to help you hmm. work through it. Okay. Wow. Well, great stuff, Gary. We really appreciate you spending time. It's always great to have a Babson alum, but most importantly, the lessons you shared not only on franchising, but entrepreneurship and leadership and culture. I think you bring a unique skill set of what you did in the past to this venture and gave us a very transparent view into that transition, which we think can benefit a, a lot of people. We'd love to continue to have you involved. We do have a Center for Family Entrepreneurship, so it sounds like that's the topic for the next one maybe and explore you know, your family dynamics and, and that opportunity. That sounds exciting. But appreciate you being with us and wish you all the best with Rita's and your, your pathway to scaling. Thank yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. I'd love to. I'd love to participate any way I can, and and be a resource, be that resource that we just discussed for anybody uh, at at Babson who's got got questions or is considering this as a as a direction they want to pursue. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. And then please, uh, when next you come to up here uh, from DC, uh, uh, let us know. Let us know. We'd like to uh, have the opportunity to to meet you in person. And uh, hopefully continue this uh, this relationship, uh, this uh, another aspect of your relationship with Babson. Thank you so much. Thanks, Gary. I would, I would love that. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Stars of Franchising. Stars of Franchising was produced at Babson College, engineered by Travis Gray. Karen Soa is our guest coordinator and music by Ralph Taylor. If you like Stars of Franchising, be sure to review us wherever you get your podcasts and spread the word and share these stories any way you can.